0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian, who is out in about a little bit today. We're going to be talking about in-crop fertilizer applications, both foliar and soil on today's program, and also taking your agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, Brian, what are you seeing today?
1: Well, I'm glad this is our topic today because it was funny, I was, I, I, I'm out looking at a bunch of fields today and talking to farmers and agronomists, and I was driving along, I get a phone call from an agronomist, and he goes, what, how do you feel about putting potash, dry potash, in, right, in, right in the furrow with soybeans? And I said, not a chance in the world am I doing that. Uh, too much salt and too much risk in terms of the seed injury. And while we like to think about soybeans as maybe, let's call it, not as important as a corn seed, a soybean seed is very important as well. We want every soybean seed to grow. We pay a lot of money anymore for soybean seed, and I don't want to waste it by killing it off with some potash. Now, I understand why he wants to do it. He's trying to make one pass, or the farmer is anyway, but that's, just, that's too risky in my book. So I just told this agronomist, I said, Well, we usually tell guys with potash, dry potash is broadcasted. Otherwise, deep band it. Um, You certainly could run two by two. We used to do some four by four stuff, dry fertilizer on each side of the row. I mean, there are a lot of ways to do it. Just don't put it in furrow.
0: Yeah, the more distance you have, the more soil you have in between the seed and that fertility, the the more safety that you've got. And that's the last thing we want to do is spend money and then have that money hurt our crop. And I I think we're going to get into that a little bit, too, with the foliar apps of just how much burn are we going to cause with some of these things and, and how can we avoid it? Because we want this to be a positive.
1: Right, for sure. So I just said, you know, if you want to put some fertilizer in the furrow, it would have to be like a low rate of a low salt liquid fertilizer. We use a lot of Sure K, for example. And I'm fine with that, you know, a gallon or two. But, yeah, just the dry pot ash, you got to skip it. So we're getting a lot of questions like this, though, because there are a lot of people that didn't get fall fertility done. And then there are also a lot of people that are saying, you know, I want to ban fertilizer because I don't own the ground, I don't know how long I'm going to rent it, and I don't want long-term fertilizer. I want short-term where I get the benefit this year, and I totally get that. But, yeah, we just have to be smart about what we're doing, the product we're using, and how we're putting it on.
0: All right. You know, as you're driving through the state today, Brian, are you seeing much activity in fields at all, or is it just too wet to
1: Absolutely. No, everybody's rolling. So there, I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't say everybody, but almost everybody is rolling. There were all kinds of uh, things going on in the, in the state of South Dakota today. Lots of planting, spraying, tillage, uh, just a, a whole bunch of work that is getting done right now. It's great.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun when everything gets started. It just, everybody's a little bit nervous here that that we're late. And it's it's interesting, even the earliest stuff that we could put in the ground, we've only got... Forty to sixty GDU's on it. It's not much, so so it's still uh, waiting to be, um, you know, waiting to get to that point of breaking.
1: It's seventy one degrees right now here at two o'clock in the afternoon in South Dakota, and sunny. And I'm in the northern part of the state, and there's a little bit of wind. So this is really helping things. I mean, the big problem now is the rivers have just flat out not gone down. If the rivers had gone down, then we'd be in really good shape. That's most of the stuff where I'm seeing water. It's right in a river basin.
0: You know, and that brings up another point, too. When we think about the in-crop fertility application, a lot of it just didn't get done. because It was wet in the fall, wet in the spring, and if guys can get crop in, they're going to put something out with the planter and then hope to come back in later in a lot of cases. What do you think about that as a strategy? Should you wait an extra day and get some fertility out there first before planting? What What have you seen?
1: You got to go. At this point, you got to go. We have 12 days left for corn for full crop insurance. So um, we're out of time. So even on our own farm, we had this exact same thing happen the other day, and our farm manager called me. He goes,
2: okay, Ryan, what do you want me to do?
1: Uh, I could keep planting, or I could wait for the fertility to be done. And I go, Mike, that is not even a question. At this point, we're rolling. We are planting. And so I I don't care what gets done in front of the planter at this point because we are so late if it was april 13th well then it's a whole different deal but when it is may 13th it is too late so we have to go we have to plant anything we can I don't care if the herbicide's on, don't care if the fertilizer's on, I don't care. Get the seed in the ground, and we'll take care of it afterwards.
0: Okay, now you mentioned, uh, you know, with this foliar application, and we, we've got micronutrients. A lot of times you see guys doing micronutrients, so they didn't get it on with the planter, they didn't get it done up front. What have you seen, what have you learned, especially, you know, with some of the things that we're doing at the Ag PhD Field Day, uh, with different foliar micronutrients, What what's working?
1: I don't like foliar micronutrients because you can't throw a whole, you can't throw a season's worth of micronutrients. Well, you can't fix a completely deficient
0: soil. No, you can't fix a complete deficiency, but. That's, if, that's,
1: that's what I'm getting
0: at. You know, I, I think for me, I, I look at it as, all right, here's an assist. You know, you've got some in the soil, but we wanted to put more on this year. We couldn't get more on. So here's well, our sure. shot. Here's how that's we can do deal. it. Yeah. And, and yeah, sure. for, yeah, you can. if we need a small dose, and that's going to perk things up, which honestly, there's a lot of guys that will talk about that. Hey, it's a it's a cool year, so once the crop gets up, maybe it doesn't look great, and and you go out and give it a little boost with, with some foliar nutrition, it's not a bad way to go.
1: No, I, I mean, you can do it, but it, it's got to be a supplement, and so I, I guess we've got our planters set up so we can put some fertility on with the planter. I don't want to go crazy because it takes lots of time if you put uh, a huge amount on, but if we're only putting a small amount on with the planter and that's all it takes with micronutrients usually, then we're in great shape. And then we do try to broadcast if we are extremely deficient. Let's say it's zinc or manganese or something. We'll broadcast uh, and usually till that in and then we're in good shape for a long time.
0: Yeah, we don't need a huge amount of the micronutrients, but we definitely need some, and if you didn't get that done with the planter this year, that may be one of the things that you're applying in crop, either foliar or soil applied. We'll talk about some of the different fertilizer applications that are going to get made in crop this year and are already being made in certain parts of the country, and we're taking your calls and questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Are you frustrated with white mold showing up year after year in your soybeans? If you have tried fungicide applications and are still losing yield to white mold, now is the time to ask your seed dealer about Heads Up Plant Protectant. Heads Up is the first EPA-registered seed treatment for the
3: prevention of white mold in soybeans and pulse crops. The first line of defense on your farm against white mold now starts with the right seed treatment package. Locate a Heads Up dealer near you by visiting headsupst.com today.
0: In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit GrainPhD.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation.
4: Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target.
0: back you're listening to ag phd radio broadcasting from the morton studio today we're going to be talking about in crop fertilizer applications that means both foliar and soil applied and we'll talk about where you may use uh, each of those strategies and with which nutrients and so forth we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 44 ag phd i would say this year Maybe the biggest year for questions coming in because so many guys are on to plan B and plan C already, and that's fine. Uh, I'm glad uh, we can we can move on to that next plan, but sometimes things change and you've got some questions. We'd love to help out wherever we can. You can also send us an email radio at agphd.com or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Let's head to the phone lines, get our friends. I've got a friend Tim Dukert with us right now. He works with Agro Liquid. He's a field agronomy research manager. And, wow, what a year to do research, Tim, when you get uh, all the moisture you've had, like, 2019.
5: Yeah, can we uh, get started on that year sometime? <laughs>
0: all right, I know what you're getting in Michigan. You're getting similar weather to what we're getting here, cold and wet all the time. Have you been able to get anything in at all?
5: Yes, we've got uh, one Full experiment planet, and we've got quite a few of the corn plots planet for our Expo coming up this next summer.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I know you've really worked hard on drainage improvements and, and different things to to be able to, to farm things well and get things in timely like farmers like to look at. And one of the big things that I love uh, coming to your field days, Tim, is seeing all the different nutritional trials that you're doing, both with soil applied, planter applied, uh, and also in-crop applied. Uh, I want to focus on that in-crop application because we're running into so many growers this year that are just like what my brother was talking about earlier in the show. We got to go. We got to go. We got to get planted right now, and fertilizer becomes an afterthought. And then it's okay. It's in the ground. What do I do now when I'm short?
5: <laughs> we did field a lot of questions this past uh, winter at shows and so forth that uh, asking. I you know, wasn't able to get my fall fertilizer on. So what can I do? And uh, so it begins with you, the planter is probably one place to look at first of all. What can I put on with the planter and help uh, meet some of those needs of that crop. And then we have side dressing capabilities. We have lots of chances there that we can not only put the nitrogen on, but put some extra potassium on or micronutrients at the same time with that uh, side dress application.
0: Let's talk about that side dress because I think that's what what the plan is for so many guys that I talk to. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to side dress and then the question is, do you like it put on with a coulter? Do you like it put on with a y-drop? Uh, do you like it put on with drag hoses or some other strategy is there one that just consistently works better than another
5: we've tested uh, all of those for many years here at the research farm and uh, we have switched all to going our applications going on with the y-drop system now uh, we found that that was um, consistent year in and year out there's sometimes that a coulter uh, system might be a little bit better than the y-drop but um, and especially, specifically really dry years when those root systems may not be moving or that nitrogen moving down as quickly as we would like it to uh, to get out to that root system. So the Y-drop is pretty consistent. Uh, we do like that. We've switched all to that uh, system, but putting it on, even in dry years, we do have enough moisture on that plant that still moves that nitrogen uh, down in, and it is right above the root system, so it is uh, more convenient to that plant.
0: All right, I'm thinking about corn quite often here, but you work with so many different crops, Tim. What are you hearing from guys with with other crops that they're struggling to get in? I know you've got a lot of sugar beet guys you work with, uh, edible beans. Uh, just I, I don't know, the list goes on and on. Pretty much every crop there is, and if you uh, if you tour the research facility Tim works at, you'll see just about all of them there too. You get quite a quite a variety.
5: Yeah, we do work with quite a few of those crops here, um, even some that you want to think of growing in michigan cotton would be one of those examples uh, we can grow those crops because we can still do research and see effects on fertilizer say in and emergence or uh, we can do evaluations like that um and still realize uh in effect uh collect data on on those plants that are emerging or that may be affected by a uh, in-furrow application versus not. You know, what's the best place to put that fertilizer? Is it directly with the seed? Is it off to the side of the seed in the furrow um, using a splitter type attachment? Is it just simply a two by two coulter or some of these newer systems uh, like 360 has the bandit or uh, precision planting has the conceal option that puts it out to the side a little further on the planter but it's still getting those nutrients close to that root system where they can do real a real good benefit.
0: Yeah, have you liked that? Have you gotten to do much work with that?
5: Um, all those systems that I've mentioned uh, we are working with, uh, working with both 360 and precision planting and, and those attachments and, and uh, managing and looking at the different effects of placing that fertilizer. Uh, so even taking part of that inferral fertilizer that we would typically, typically put with a seed and put it out a little further, with like that bandit or conceal, uh, which is about three inches to either side of the seed trench, it's still in a in a spot that the let's talk about corn here that those, that root system is very easily going to get to those nutrients and take that up. So um, micronutrients out there seems to be somewhat important in that about three inches away from the side of the seed, and that's about the same spot that the Y drop places nutrients as well, um, just off to the side of the. Uh, seed or where you're planting that seed at the same time.
0: What do you like about, or what do you like for a sulfur application, Tim? Are you more in line with a broadcast application? Do you like that more off to the side in a two-by-two, or how about even doing that uh, with your Y-drop when you're putting out your nitrogen?
5: A very good time to put sulfur on is with nitrogen. Uh, Just because it affects the uptake of that nitrogen so much. So adding it into a nitrogen application is a very good way to do that. So probably with side dress. Um, That being said, we've had really good luck with our enhanced product. Um, That is seed safe. We can put that in the furrow. Uh, Two quarts of that can provide you about six pounds of sulfur right in the furrow trench. And that helps get the seed uh, started and going early and then come back with your side dress nitrogen and have some more sulfur in that is a, a very good way to get sulfur into the crop. And we know that every crop needs it and just about every location across the country needs it now.
0: Brian was talking earlier about using ProGerminator and Sure K either right in the furrow or in a two by two. What about when we get crop that's already planted? Can we utilize that uh, or, or phosphorus and potassium in some way to get a little bit more of a boost out there for our crop?
5: There always is the potential to put some more on. Um, a wide drop situation is going to be your best bet there to get it close to that root system again. As we're talking with the nitrogen, um, get it available to that plant roots as quick as possible. So yes, it is possible to put it on later in season. I think we get more benefit out of potassium later and the phosphorus early with the planter. Um, so I w- I would split those up into that. That scenario, if possible or if needed, to uh, add more potassium, put it on as a later application
0: okay uh one micronutrient that always seems to be a little controversial is boron and and some guys are really nervous about putting too much boron on others are seemingly putting on way more than anyone else is comfortable with uh i I don't know where you find the happy medium there but but how do you recommend we put the boron out? Is that another one that you'd put in with that wide drop nitrogen application or do you like it a little different way
5: um I, I want some there early with the plant, and I know it's controversial how much to put on. Uh, if you're going to put on, let's say, higher amounts, um, a split application is a good way to do that. And I I really like seeing that boron. Um, it's important for the reproductive stages of having it on. I think foliar is a good way to put boron on. And V8 to VT time frame is an uh, important time to have that boron available, so it's uh, there to help that reproductive stages um, develop, and, and that, that helps in, in, in getting a better yield, getting those pollen grains down to our seed um, for fertilization of the seed, and it's uh, it's very important in reproductive. Let's put it on at the time that it needs it, because it it is hard to move that within the plant, so... I'll put it on when it
0: needs it. Yeah, I like your idea of the split applying, that way you can get a little more out there, just doing it multiple times. You avoid all the leaching issues that could possibly come up too. Been talking with Tim Dukert with AgroLiquid. Tim, thank you so much. Appreciate having you on. You're
5: welcome. Thank you.
0: Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: Efficiency is important to the bottom line, but your nitrogen program can be a challenge as rainfall can leach nitrogen needed for a profitable crop right out of the root zone. Applied with UAN fertilizer, Proximus from ActiGrow is proven to reduce nitrate leaching up to 69% and increase nitrogen use efficiency. To improve your yield, ask your ag retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit StopLeaching.com. Pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral. The mighty Prosaro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use ProSoro Fungicide and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosaro.us. Always read and follow label instructions.
4: This year, you already
3: made one smart choice by planting
4: glufosinate-tolerant
3: seeds. Now make another, Interline herbicide from UPL. Interline controls tough, resistant weeds like pigweed, water waterhemp, marestail, and ragweed in glufosinate cropping systems. And with our new manufacturing facility, there'll be plenty of Interline to go around. So play it smart. Choose cost-effective Interline herbicide. To learn more, contact your UPL distributor or sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Increase your productivity with Hypro's Dual React Control System. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining
4: the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro, helping you spray better. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement, and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com.
0: Listening to Ag PhD Radio, thanks for joining us today talking about in-crop fertility applications, both foliar and soil applied, and we're taking your agronomic questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Bo Shrapshire out in California. Bo, how's
6: it going out there? Oh, it's nice. We've got uh, about 90-degree weather out here, Darren, and we're harvesting sugar beets, we're harvesting the onions, we've got sweet corn we're harvesting, and of course we're rocking and rolling winter our and alfalfa and uh, Bermuda grass that we grow for hay and for seed. So yeah, everything's happening,
0: man. Excellent. Send that fresh sweet corn this way. That's that's awesome. We're <laughs> ready for that. Yeah. You know, we've got corn just starting to pop out of the ground. That's where we're at and we got some that's still in the bag. So we got a little ways to go to catch up to you, but we're kind of thinking about, you know, it's been so wet, tough to get in and we're going to have to do more foliar and uh, after planting fertility applications than we ever have before. So looking for some advice on that and also just want to hear a little bit about what you're doing. You get so many different crops you're working with, uh, you know, vineyards and vegetables and and corn and other things. Um, So I guess uh, where I'd like to start is just uh, let's say we're doing foliar applications uh, when when you've got so many different crops, are there different rules that apply with every crop or are there some just general rules that we should be aware of for foliar applications?
6: Well, there's some general stuff, Darren, that we work with. You know, it's uh, we're normally looking at, you know, say aerial applications of foliars uh, at a minimum of five gallons an acre total mix, um, you know, with a carry load. Uh, so we'll use, depending on, you know, what our, what our tissue tests say, you know, where we're at, and we'll take tissue tests, you know, every couple of weeks and stay on top of that stuff and try to keep those levels coming along. I mean, I understand, uh, you know, you got to have some reasonable soil fertility, and but, you know, there's so many crops now that if we just go ahead, we're kind of like on the cusp a lot of times of having the right amount of nutrients there to push you back over that quality and, and yield bump that we're trying to get. So, you know, you pay attention to those kinds of things. Um, you know, you look at, at uh, whether it's boron, whether it's zinc, manganese, iron, you know, those kinds of deal, you know, Potassium. Potassium is a big one here, too. There's, there's just not enough people using potassium across the U.S., I don't think. But, you know, so there's the the timing is, you know, you want to start when the plant has... Uh, just say if you're looking for a seed deal prior to blooming, or or right at you know a ten percent bloom, and then stay on top of that thing at say you know seven to fourteen day intervals, uh, depending on what you're going. But yeah, there's so many things. I mean, there's almost like a a a, a smorgasbord of things. You know, i You mentioned grapes. I mean, we may have nine or ten things uh, in a spray tank that we're putting on grapes, for instance. Okay, uh, but in a can and we're, we're using high volumes of water there we're probably using 250 to 300 gallons per acre we just get a bath on those things but yeah it's just you know make sure that you put enough water on to and make sure that you have a little bit of nitrogen in that blend too to help carry out stuff into the plant.
0: Okay, so you mentioned the the water. Is there a certain ratio between nutrients and water that you like? like is it a two to one ratio with twice as much water and and uh, as you have fertility or is there is there anything like that?
6: Well, yeah, basically, I mean you know if you're if you're doing some of the dry materials that you're trying to get in, like for instance, let's say low buyer urea, okay, well, I want at least a gallon uh, per pound of of uh, low bioer urea. Uh, if we're looking at some of these other materials that we're using a few ounces of this and that, you know, then we then we would be looking at uh, taking care of, of um, you know, those kind of rates. You know, maybe you're talking a few ounces uh, per gallon, but it depends on, on where we're headed. So anyway, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at. How about how
0: about spray solution pH when you're doing foliar apps? Are you trying to get it down in the mid fives or what do you shoot
6: for? Yeah, I normally shoot for about five and a half to six. You know, our waters here our pH is about eight eight two. Um, we have quite a bit of bicarbonate in ours, and so we'd like to get that pH uh, about five and a half to six. Uh, that will uh, that will help uh, take care of a lot of those issues. But yeah, get get that pH down for sure. That's that's without a without a doubt.
0: What about fulvic acid? What's your feeling on that, Bo? We've had some good success with that on foliar apps.
6: Yeah, fulvic works good. Uh, work great as far as uh, as far as that goes. You know, you there's uh, a lot of things with humic acid and fulvic acid that I don't think a lot of people pay attention to. Uh, there's some great opportunities with both those materials. Um, you know, both in a soil application and then, of course, with fulvic on uh, foliars. But you got to, you know, with fulvic. I don't want to go very heavy with that stuff. I just, you know, it's kind of a light shot, kind of a shot in the arm sort of a deal. You know, and that's kind of the way we're looking at some of these uh, other materials. We're looking at, uh, you know, just putting on light rates, multiple rates so that you don't overload the plant.
0: I agree i agree I, I like the low rates I think that's good just to stimulate things what about sugar we We hear a lot of guys talking about throwing some sugar in to try to feed microbes and that type of thing uh are are growers doing that where you're at?
6: We've used some sugar in the past um i I'm not real a real you know uh strong proponent of sugar uh Simply because it's kind of a pain to handle and all those kinds of things. But, <laughs> yes. you know, so we got, yeah, where do you go to get it? You know, well, luckily we have Spreckled Sugar here. We're processing sugar beets right now. So, yeah, you want a truckload of sugar, you go down and get a truckload of sugar. But otherwise, you're going to the grocery store at Smart and Final Time to find some sugar, you know. But, but uh, you know, there's, there are some people that have, that have used that in the past. I'm not a strong proponent of sugar. Um, I'd rather use uh, some of the other elements that we're concerned about. You know, and again, playing, paying attention to those tissue tests to where we're at.
0: Well, you mentioned you may already have a 9- or 10-way mix on some of these crops that uh, I don't know how much more room you have in the tank or, or how much uh, compatibility work you want to do if you start getting a 15-way mix or something like that. Uh, okay, Yeah, b-
6: compatibility is big time, yeah.
0: How about one nutrient uh, in particular, sulfur? I I know that's a big one, especially with uh, some of the crops that you're raising, too. Uh, We we start thinking about quality and we think about uh, flavor and those types of things. But it's also super important when you're putting nitrogen on just for utilization and and efficiency with that nitrogen. How how do you get the sulfur out there and how do you get enough uh, without causing any problems with burn or anything else?
6: Well, we're looking at sulfur in a couple different ways. A lot of times we'll put sulfur on both as a a fungicide or a a miticide on some crops like alfalfa seed or whatever. But, yeah, you're going to improve nitrogen efficiency with that sulfur. Uh, We also use some micronized sulfurs that we'll put into liquid blends um, and be able to to get on a few pounds of sulfur that way to, uh, you know, accomplish what you're talking about as far as the plant itself and, and getting some end in the plant and efficiency. But, you know, we try to look at, you know, on our, on our soil test, we try to get uh, somewhere between uh, 50 to 150 parts per million of sulfur in the soil. And we're also doing, you know, some stuff here because we have high sodium issues that we still use sulfuric acid or, or, uh, or a nitrogen-based sulfuric acid, US-15 or something like that, that we're using to get some additional sulfur uh, to the plant for that uh, nitrogen utilization.
0: Interesting. Um, okay, one last question for you. When you're doing flood, do you do, you do a lot of flood irrigation, Bo?
6: Yeah, we do a lot of flood and furrow irrigation. Huh?
0: How does that change things when we're trying to put nutrients on foliar? Is it just change the timing or does it change the products that you can use?
6: Well, it won't. It, yeah, it can change the timing if a guy is strictly going to try to do everything by ground. You know, but uh, if you're if you're really trying to shoot uh, for a particular timing on a crop, you know we'll come in behind the flood irrigation um, and and you know do stuff uh, aerial, you know either with a helicopter, airplane, fixed wing, and get the material on. Uh, again, trying to shoot those for those specific timings of that particular crop.
0: Yeah, there's so many things to uh, to think about when you're doing such a crop rotation. I, I love that you said you've got harvest going on out there right now in California.
6: That's just fun <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we don't have, uh, we're not planting much stuff right now, but that's okay. Uh, we got enough other stuff to do, you know. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Super busy. Well, Bo, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking your time. You've been very generous with us. We really appreciate it and uh, hope to talk to you again hey, soon. Hey,
6: bet you betcha, Darren. Okay, you guys, tell, be good. Bye-bye
0: talking about foliar and soil-applied in-crop fertility on today's program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
3: If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to on Next Herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grayson Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit Levetheweedstos.com to learn more about Grayson Next. Always read and follow label directions.
4: Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Think about a quarter inch of rain.
2: That's all it
4: takes to activate Armazon Pro herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain, the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
1: High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the High Yield Grower Toolbox.
4: With the success of the Case IH Stiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track tractors, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com tracks.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. Talking about in-crop fertility applications, both fol- both foliar and soil, and also taking your agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Let's head down to Missouri right now. got Don on with us. Don, how are you doing today?
2: Hey, I'm doing great. Got some sunny skies and 63 degrees.
0: Outstanding. We'll take the sunshine. How's planting going in your area?
2: Oh, it's 20 to 30% uh, planted, and uh, I see some
0: two-leaf stage corn around, but it's pretty, pretty wet and dark around it. Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a challenge everywhere, but hopefully things are going to turn around here a little bit. Uh, I hear you've had some fusarium down in your area. It sounds like another year that it's going to be a tough problem.
2: Well, you know, this I've for the last uh, four years I've had some down corn, but this year was the worst, or this past season. Um, and I've, I'm I'm wanting to know what how to manage it and. How can you test for it? Is there a soil test to find fusarium in your soil?
0: That is a great question. I have not done any soil testing on that in the past, but I have sent plants in. And I'm sure you probably did the same thing, sent sent the plants in to get a confirmation on what it is?
2: Well, I did not, but I had agronomists come out, and I had four different seed companies send their agronomists out. Four different ideas. Uh, (laughs) Nothing definite. Um, but it's showing up worse in my center pivot, uh, fields, uh, more so as my hill ground. And, uh, I've always in the up till about four years ago. I planted my hill ground first and then planted my irrigation last. But yep. a seed guy told me, you need to be planting your irrigated first. Cause that's where you're going to get your high shield. Well, ever since then, I've been having a taste of this down corn and it's a bad taste.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's no fun at all. That's right. Uh, okay, so a few things here. If it is Fusarium, let's just assume that it's Fusarium. What I would say, though, uh, I don't know about the soil test, uh, but but you could certainly inquire um, you know, with your land-grant university there if they do that. I'm not aware of that, but they, they sure might. Uh, but I know they do take plants and they can confirm it on plants. I, I've sent plants in that way before. Now uh, what, what they would suggest and, and what I would as well is um, yeah, it, it's going to be in your in your soil. once you've got it, you're, you're probably going to have it. It's in spores or mycelium out in the soil. And it, it loves to have wet soil, uh, cool soils or warm. I think it, it, it's a problem in both. But where we've seen the most issues is where we've got some compaction issues. And if we've got wet and we've got compacted, that just seems like a recipe for, your, for your cerium for me. Uh, the other thing that we've seen in some areas, if we're short of a certain nutrient, uh, and I don't it doesn't really matter what it is, but if you're short in something, so your crop is uh, not as healthy as it could be, We see more issues that way. And finally, uh, whether it's nematodes or root worms or other bugs, if we've got an injury to the roots, we see more issue with, with diseases like this. So our strategy has been put fungicides on in a seed treatment, which most companies now have got three different fungicides on seed corn. Some have four or more. Uh, I, I would look for right. seed corn that's got good fungicide package. And then the other thing that you could do is try using some fungicide in furrow. And I think that's more common up north where we farm than it is for you. But Uh, We've been putting in uh, general – well, we used to do headline in-furrow. Then we switched to xanthian, which is headline plus a biological. and, And now we've been using either manticore or temetry. And what they are is it's headline plus an insecticide, Capture LFR, And they're in a form that can mix with starter fertilizer. So we'll just throw that right in with our starter. So we've got an additional load of fungicide in that furrow to try to fight off any of this fusarium. Because what we've seen is the seed treatment is pretty effective, but it's only effective for just a couple of weeks. And then it wears out because you can't put very much on the seed. So by putting more in furrow, we've really helped with that. Uh, And then the other thing that we've done besides crop rotation, which is obvious, I guess you can rotate to other crops and lessen the problem. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the the other thing that we've tried is just drainage improvements and I don't know what your pivot ground is like, if it's kind of flat and and uh, heavier ground or, or is it lighter soil or heavier soil? It,
2: it's uh, a rolling rolling soil uh, and it's uh, lagonda and uh, it's a mix of, of 3 or 4 different soils, you know, it's, it's not all just not bottom ground by far
0: okay okay yeah and i i don't know what that's like if if through some of those is it worse through some of the valleys or is it worse through the hilltops there
2: no it's it's it can it's, uh it's really not it's you can see it anywhere in the field on no. the valleys and, and
0: uh on the hillsides it's, yep yep it's just hit and miss. <laughs> yeah the problem is we don't have any resistant hybrids yet um So that, that would be ultimately, that'd be a pretty nice thing if we had resistance in a hybrid to it, but, but we don't at this point, which I'm sure is what all the seed companies told you that, huh, I wish we had a resistant (laughs) hybrid to sell you, but we don't.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So managing fertility and compaction is, is probably the best things that you can do and. Uh, And, yeah, then then crop rotation. So I might just go back to your old strategy that you had and plant that stuff last so the seeds in the ground not very long and it's popping up and, and you try to avoid it that way.
2: Well, that's exactly what I was going to do, but I wanted to see what you guys had to say.
0: You bet. No, I think you're. I think you're right on, Don. Hey, uh, let me ask you this too. Uh, just back to a general question. So you said we're only about twenty to thirty percent planted, and even the early stuff's only had a couple leaves on the corn. How about beans? Does anybody in your area plant beans early, or are they try to get all the corn in first?
2: I've got the the farmer that does my custom spraying for me has got beans in the ground, been in there two weeks now. I haven't went to look at it, but it, he's the only one I know that was, has tried it. And uh I don't know if it's going in
0: good anyway, for yeah, you. yeah, I'm just curious. We've got some guys down in Arkansas that have been doing that, and uh, they've had some pretty good luck with it if the conditions are right and everything but they've they've just tried yeah, yeah. Uh, tried doing some crazy things you know just to see if if it would work and i know even guys up in our geography are pretty comfortable putting beans in fairly early they seem to be seem to be uh, fairly tolerant to colder conditions but well hopefully it warms yeah. up here soon and we don't have to worry about it
2: exactly sure do awesome well thanks for the call well, i appreciate Don. your information you bet thanks Thank a lot you. really I appreciate it Okay.
0: All right. Yeah. When you think about those diseases that we get early, what's what's interesting? I was just chatting with a couple of agronomists about this this morning. Uh, oftentimes, we don't see those diseases right away, and like Don was talking about, he's he's had some downed corn um, the, the previous few years, and you know, when we're seeing that show up late, we ask the question, well, man, I didn't see anything early. It can still infect your plant early. And a lot of times your roots will still look good and they'll look white and clean. And you think, man, I'm in good shape here. But what happens is those pathogens can get inside and actually be endophytes or, or inside the plant rather than showing up on the outside, causing all kinds of brown and, and discoloration like you see later in the season. When we have any kind of feeding or damage to the root system. This is where I think insecticide is so important around that seed zone. Even if we've got traded corn, if we can keep the bugs off, we can just keep those root systems intact longer. And if we do then we've got less chance of infection. Whenever those, those roots get chewed off or broken open, it's pretty easy for that disease to get inside. So I, I don't know what's happening there. And I, it's, I feel bad for Don that, that stinks that he's been fighting it for a while. And it sounds like he's got a strategy here to at least lessen the impact of that. Uh, I know I've talked to guys before. I said, man, I'm going to have to rotate out for a couple of years, but boy, this year corn is the crop that looks like it's going to pay. So it's pretty tough to do that too. Um, uh, we're taking your calls and questions here we're going to talk a little more about nutrition in crop and, and maybe some of the strategies that are going on but we've gotten so many questions in for the Ag PhD mailbag too we'll get to some of those here in just a little bit if you've got a question or a picture you want to send us radio at agphd.com is our email address uh, you can find us on Twitter Agphd Media Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty or you can just give us a call like Don did at 844 44 AGPHD. We'll be right back.
7: Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more.
3: Ultra Blazer. Kind of sounds like the name of a superhero, doesn't it? Well, to soybean growers, it is. Because Ultra Blazer from UPL controls the toughest weeds, including pigweed, ragweed, and water hemp. And you can make it part of your resistance management program on all trait-based beans, even dicamba-tolerant. Plus, with Ultra Blazer, there are no plant-back concerns. Talk about superpowers. To learn more, contact your crop protection consultant or dealer. Always read and follow label directions.
8: Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app, temperature-humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at StepsGMS.com.
4: Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Come on in. The Ag PhD
0: Mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are in the Ag PhD Mailbag time right now. That means we're answering your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or we're looking at some emails here, too. got one from Ed, and he said, Looking at what's happening with drainage tile, it seems like there's a lot of misinformed people. Uh, Also, in some areas, uh, there are more regulations than others before you go in and tile. Uh, What should we watch for in terms of regulation or regulatory bodies uh, in in different areas around the country? You know, Brian, there seems to be less regulation here uh, than there has been in the past, correct? Um,
1: Well, it all depends on where you're at. So NRCS, nothing has really changed in the last or nothing much has changed in the last 20 years. So all they're going to do is determine if it's a wetland or not. And in most cases, I mean, if it's farm ground, it's not a wetland. So you can go ahead and tile there. And then it's just if your county has any ordinance or if, well, that that's usually it. But then sometimes you have to work with the road departments. So I've had to work with our state, our county, our township, occasionally we need to bore under the road. Otherwise, usually what we're doing is outletting right at the culvert and then just making sure that we don't have any big washouts right there or are creating washouts right there. So I, I guess I have found that generally speaking, most of these agencies are fine to work with. It's just that sometimes it takes a tremendous amount of persistence i was talking to some guys about that just this morning as a matter of fact and i just said you know i spent three to even four years of my life doing this about 10 12 years ago and i'm super happy i did because we got all the stuff on our farm tiled, uh so we don't really have any big problems anymore it's just if we pick up some new pieces or if we decide oh i want to add on to the tile here we have to go through a few things but it's really pretty easy now once we've got most of our stuff taken care of and by the way uh, the tile makes an unbelievable difference in terms of soil health. Every, everybody wants to talk about soil health today. The first thing to take care of if you want a healthy soil is not putting it into no-till or, you know, uh, I mean a number of, they, they, well, those are, those,
0: are good, are, those are good things. A lot of things.
1: Yes, but that is not the first thing. The first thing you need to do if you want a healthy soil is to improve your drainage if you have a drainage problem. That's, the most important thing because without oxygen all those beneficial things that live in the soil they all die
0: totally agree with you there brian and this year is a great example of that and we're seeing it around the country the drainage is is first you got to have oxygen in the soil and everybody thinks it's about water and it is it's about water balance but the important thing is is when you have an overabundance of water you don't have any oxygen and that is absolutely critical all right. Thanks for the question, Ed. We really appreciate that. Uh, or the comment, I should say. Uh, I get one from Brandon here and Brandon's in South Central Minnesota. He said, hey, I was wondering, we applied some solid cattle manure over the winter and now we've got to apply some urea this spring. I'm just wondering, should I make two passes for spring tillage? One to get that solid manure in first and then another to do the, the urea Or how would you recommend I go about getting this done?
1: Well, I wouldn't do it that way. You can, but you know, after you till, then it's not as easy to drive down those rows anymore either. So I would just put the urea on and then I'd work the ground right after that and then you're set.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I think there's no reason to make it more complicated. The manure's already been out there for a while and you're going to put the urea on and turn right around and work things in. So I guess, you know, what, what if the question was a little bit different, Brian? What if it's, hey, I can drive through and spread urea now, but I can't work it in right away. What would your recommendation be?
1: Well, urea only has about 48 hours before you start losing it. So you've got to get rain or tillage within 48 hours or you need to use a nitrogen stabilizer.
0: Yep, totally agree. So, yeah, I'm I'm assuming you're able to get in and do some tillage in there, Brandon, and and the way this week is shaping up for you in your area, hopefully things will will be fit that you can get all that tillage and and application done because, yeah, I would like to see that cattle manure worked in if at all possible. All right, got a question from Ben, and Ben is in Georgia. He said, I've got pretty low cation exchange capacity, or CEC, soils. Now, I understand cation exchange capacity can limit the amount of nitrogen my soil can hold if I've got a low CEC, but I'm wondering how long is that value relevant for? For example, my soils have an average CEC of 8, and I know this means I can hold about 80 units of nitrogen using your 10 times the CEC formula, but I'm going to split apply my N on my wheat and corn. So I'm normally applying about 75 units each time and I wait a month in between applications. So if I'm putting out 75 units and waiting a month and then putting on another 75, is that going to be okay? I don't want to over apply of course because I don't want to lose it, but I also don't want to under apply and not get the yields.
1: It's not about the time. It's about how much nitrogen is used. So that's what you got to be thinking about. I don't. If it's a month, what I'm getting at here is, if it's a month early in the spring when stuff isn't growing very well, you didn't use a lot of nitrogen, so you probably have most of the original nitrogen left. If it's right in the middle of the growing season when the the crop is using a tremendous amount of N every day, well, yeah, then it's no problem. And the other thing, let's take this one step further. So let's say I am side dressing, and my let's just say corn is growing at a tremendous rate, and it's going to use a lot of nitrogen coming up. My temperatures are going to be uh, really high in the future. There's plenty of moisture and everything. So at that point, even if my CEC was eight, would I consider putting on, let's say, I needed 100 units of nitrogen? Well, technically, that's more than what we would like to see normally. But if it's going to get used really quickly, you have greatly reduced your loss. The only reason why we talk about this CEC times 10 thing is just to give you a general idea of what's relatively safe. But we're trying to, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to use some common sense here. And if we're going to use up our nitrogen pretty quickly, then we have greatly reduced our risk for loss.
0: All right. Thanks for the question, Ben. We really appreciate that. Uh, Got Brent on the line right now uh, with a question about oats, uh, triticale, and cereal rye. Brent, thanks for joining us.
1: Sure, no problem. Thanks for taking my call.
0: Okay, so you got some weed issues, and, and you're in the state of Iowa in oats and triticale. Tell us about what you got for weeds.
1: Right, mainly uh, lots of marist tail, some patches of um, uh, water hemp, and um, some patches of lamb's quarter.
0: Okay, and uh, the oats is uh, well, I guess when we're talking about oats, is oats that are already seeded, and the cereal rye, is that from last fall or is that going in this spring?
2: Uh, yes, the cereal rye would have been seeded last fall. The
1: triticale was seeded last fall, and the oats were drilled this spring. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh, when we're looking at weed control there, the the good thing is we've got some options for broadleaf control. For those grass weeds, that makes it a lot more challenging. But but with broadleaves, we got some choices. Brian, what are some of the products that you're seeing? I would think the mare's tail is probably the most extreme one right now that we got to get because it's going to get big really yeah, that, fast.
1: Right. Yeah, the mare's tail is absolutely going to be the toughest. And and even the water hemp for that matter. You know, the first thing whenever I think about oats, wheat, triticale, um buktryl, old buctril or Brock's, that's real good on lambs quarters. It's marginal on water hemp and it is not very good on bear's tail. So beyond that, um the, the triticale that that becomes the, the the question for me because I'm I'm quite familiar with oats and wheat. Which I just don't remember off the top of my head, uh you know, Com- when i when i start combining those things uh what we end up doing but you know in the past we've used a lot of let's say curtail m or something i mean you get a little uh mcp out there and that's generally speaking what guys are going to throw in with that buck so then that's how they end up with uh, uh bronate so I, I darren you can you can you probably remember off the top of your head but I assume bronate's labeled for triticale just like it is for wheat notes right
0: I believe so but I'm not certain about that like you say we don't work with the triticale as much as we do with uh, with some of the other crops
2: What about a product called husky?
0: You know, Husky is one that, that I really like. Uh, it's been good. It's got two different modes of action in there. You have that buck troll component again, uh, like we mentioned, and then you've also got uh, an HPPD in there. So that's that's something that, you know, I, I really like that product. So, yeah, wherever we can use Husky, that's great. And well, that's, wait a
1: second, though, Darren. Is, that's not labeled on oats, is it?
0: It's going to be labeled so, in triticale. Right, uh, and
1: right And wheat. But, I mean, unless something changed, I didn't think that was labeled yeah, on Yeah, it's
0: not labeled on oats, but I think it's labeled in triticale, and I believe it's labeled in rye as well. Right, so, so that, right. So, yeah, that's that's another option to add to the table. Hey, Brent, uh, tell you what, we're out of time here, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to hold you on and I'll talk to you here after, uh, after we get done with the show. Uh, thanks for listening today. Really appreciate all the questions that we got. Uh, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio Stay tuned now for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.